It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Five Rings Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramay on the Sport Podcasting Network. Follow us and listen to us live on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sports Podcasting Network for more content. And good day, good night, welcome to the Five Rings Podcast. We are back for day one, the review of day one. I'm Kev Larme, of course, the one we're joined by Dwayne Rollins. Dwayne, how do you feel after your first full day of Olympic competition? Um, tired. <laughs> and when we, we didn't compete, we, we just watched. Yeah, yeah, no, thank God I didn't complete. I don't think I'd be uh, be, be too good out there. Well, you know, my age, uh, lack of uh, fitness, and the fact that I didn't sleep all combined would have made it a bad day competing-wise. No, I, I enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, the first, the Saturdays, the weekends are always crazy, the middle weekends especially, but the first weekend too, just wall-to-wall, right? And you have to make choices, and there was a lot of games, team sports on the, to absorb. I watch more team sports than I'm used to because, well, there's more Canadian involvement. So, yeah, good day, though. <laughs> I had some fun, too, and, of course, we're going to get to our medals of the day. We're going to start with the Wood de Poutine, and after the break, our bronze, silver, and gold for day number one. I've also enjoyed a lot of different sports, Dwayne, and we were both complaining like at 7 p.m. last night, 8 p.m. We're like, give us more. Give us more. We're opening our apps and all our places we can watch streaming and broadcasting of the Olympics. I'm like, fencing's supposed to be on. Show it to me. Show it to me right now. Archery's supposed to happen. Where's my stream? Eventually, it all got fixed and I was able to watch everything I wanted. Just a little later than I expected. Yeah, I mean... You expect in 2021 the OTT technology to allow you to watch anything on demand when you want, and it's still not as perfect as I would like it to be, but I do think back to uh, watching, we were talking off air, even watching 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, we didn't really have OTT, and um, there was a little bit of streaming back then, but it wasn't like now, and uh, it's really, we're kind of spoiled. I, I remember, I think I've told this story in Five Rings before that when I was a kid watching the, um, the Barcelona games and they had the red, white, and blue channel on our satellite dish growing up. We had one of those big satellite dishes you used to have in the backyard that you'd have to scan across the sky. Anyway, in the U.S., they had what was called the red, white, and blue channel, which allowed you to do exactly what we would have called OTT today. It failed miserably because it was pay-per-view. We got it free because, you know, we were pirating it. Because, um, you know, I think we get the... Um, 
statute of limitations has, has been gone on that yeah, one by you, now. You but, should uh, be okay. I, th I think that company probably went bankrupt since then. Yeah, so yeah. So, uh, so I remember watching that and loving it at the time, and it, it was exactly what I always wanted. And now you have it, so it's fun. But uh, yeah, I did watch some fencing, and I gotta say, there were the, the crazy men in the fencing, like. The amount of yells you would hear. I was like, who's yelling? Oh, wait, it's the guy with the mask. It's it's, it's the actual fencer. And like, yeah. Oh, it was a lot of energy and so much energy that one guy actually cut his arm. Well, not his arm. He did not cut his entire arm. Wait, let me rephrase this. Actually just sliced a little bit of his tip of his finger. And I was like, wow, the whiplash of that non-sharp blade actually was enough to cut that fencer it was from Hungary it was a match between Hungary and uh, a fencer from Georgia I believe it was fascinating to see those are the competitions sometimes that, that slip under the radar like the pistol the fencing archery but traditionally they do start the games with the first few medals and we've seen some medals and we'll talk about the air rifle later but we saw some medals being handed out yesterday and we saw great things in day one. I have to say, I'll get used to the schedule, but I'm looking forward to all the great competitions because it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, I love the summer games. It's constant. It's the, the winter games are fun and they're always enjoyable. And they're maybe my third favorite international competition that happens. But this one is number one with a with a bullet. Um, yeah. Uh, and watching the different sports is, is part of what makes me have always loved this. I mean, I was a kid that grew up watching. You know, on Saturday here in Canada, we had something called Sports Saturday on the CBC, which would sort of tape delay events from the previous couple of weeks and put them into a little package two hour program in the afternoons on Saturday. It's like ABC's Wild World of Sports if you grew up in the States. Um, and I love that. And I love the Olympics for exposing me to new things. Uh, so I look forward to that. But, you know, I also watch some of my comfort food too here. I have a replay of the Canada-Chile uh, women's yeah. soccer game on in the background as, as we're recording this. So, yeah. So, Holden. Yeah, you know, hold it fast and let's talk about this game between the Canadian, men, the Canadian women's national team and Chile at the Olympics. Match day number two of the Olympic football tournament. This one on the women's side took place yesterday. We'll talk about the U.S. in a second. Let's start with the first game that took place at 3.30 a.m., well, today, Canada 2, Chile 1. Canada, of course, it was 0-0. Christine St. Clair got tripped in the box. VAR came into the game and awarded the penalty to Canada. Janine Becky steps up, and last time we saw her step up for the national team was in 2019, and she did miss that one, and it happened again. She did miss the penalty here, but the mental strength that she was able to accumulate and work on since then made a big difference because she turned around and just a few minutes later puts the first one in the back of the net for Canada. Yeah, you're referring, of course, to the the. World Cup in France, where in the quarterfinal match, uh, Janine Becky missed a, a vital penalty uh, that um, ultimately resulted in Canada going out of that tournament. But, and at the time, we we wondered why Christine Sinclair was not uh, put forward to take that. Um, the fact that Becky went up again to do this, I don't know whether that's well. Obviously, there's some choice going on, right? That they have decided that uh, Becky is going to take the penalties now. And the way she took that ball. And she was like, you're not taking that ball away from me. She took that ball, put it underneath her arm, be like, try me, try me. It's unfortunate that she missed that penalty and hit that post. But you know what? That moment, I was like, well, she's taking the ball in front of St. Clair. 
You want to be Sinclair? You know what? Go ahead. No problem. Yeah. If you think you can do it, then maybe you can. Look, Janine Becky is a key player for this player. If you listen to Soccer Today and listen to our coverage of the Canadian women's team before, you'll know you know, my thoughts on this is that she, to me, is the most important player on this team right now. Not, you know, when I say that, it's like the player that you need to step up the most. Like Christine Sinclair is still a vital player, but they need players like Becky, like Rose, like uh, Fleming. They need those guys to to really push forward and step up a level. And, you know, Becky got the two goals today and mentally for her to overcome that. And she also had a, a real good chance for, she could have had four. I was telling you off air, like she had missed the penalty. And then there was a play um, in, in the second half after they had got the lead where she had a, not quite a tap in, but a fairly open look and, and wasn't able to hit the, the target at that point. So, you know, there, there were some chances left on the, on the field for sure. Um, Canada doesn't do things an easy way. They, they really <laughs> struggled to score. And it could have been like they could have continued to score after 2 nothing. Dwayne. There was a chance, and the, the Nishal Prince was creating a lot of movement on the on the flanks, and the ball was coming, and like, Canada's going to score third, and they almost did. And then they gave a penalty to Chile in the exact same way that they were given a penalty. A tackle from behind, heading the Achilles tendon, creating a fall in the box. It's a foul. And it's a penalty, Chile, with Urutia, no relationship to Maxi Uruti, <laughs> formerly of the Montreal Impact, now playing for Houston. But Urutia did put that ball behind the net, and it's 2-1. Yeah, and, and Chile, is uh, they've improved a lot in the last four years or so, uh, and they were full measure. They they will uh, play Japan in their final game, and, and they'll still be thinking that if they can get a third point there, that the like three points there that they might be able to, to advance as one of the best third places uh, as it stands right now, uh, Canada and, um, and GB team GB both on four points. So uh, it's not for sure that you're through as Canada or, or team GB, but y you would think four points will be enough to, to get you through to the quarterfinal. It really depends on whether you're one, two or three and one of the best third places at this point. And, um, yeah. you, you want to kind of avoid being that third place because then you could draw a very big player in the, <laughs> in the quarterfinal. So yeah, you could get someone like the Netherlands or something, which you don't want. You don't want to play the Netherlands. They look really good in this tournament. If you're wondering where can I get the breakdown of the group and the preview of matching number three, that'll be Monday on soccer today. We're doing, and I will break down the soccer tournament of the Olympic games in more details and looking at the bracket and who can face who and all the possibilities. Let's continue and take a look at the results from last night. United States 6, New Zealand 1. What time is it? It's 6 past the keeper, and the U.S. gets their first three points of the tournament. Yeah, you wouldn't have wanted to be New Zealand heading into this one. Um, the U.S. lost its first game in 50-some, 3-0 uh, to, to Sweden, and that was pretty shocking to a lot of people. You know that that's a team that's that's going to be well pissed to be gentle about it and they're going to uh oh, go out and mo motivated <laughs> you, know. you can use the, the hashtag mo the, the quote-unquote motivated aspect yeah um i'm not surprised at all by that like you know the u.s they're not gonna not qualify there was never a chance of that sweden is, a, is looking very good in this tournament and maybe it was underestimated a little bit as as a european team they should not be uh if they can get their goal scoring going forward then then they have every chance to to make some noise in this tournament. And, and this is a, a team in Sweden that has been to the semifinals of the world cup. It's been to the, you know, into a semifinals of the Olympics last. So there's a lot 
a lot of stuff that they've done successfully. So you should sleep on them. And, and the U.S. probably did or maybe did or maybe just caught them on a day when Sweden was clicking. And then that doesn't discount the fact that the U.S. women are by far the best team in the world and should probably win this gold medal. Um, yeah. it, they, they can't walk to it, but they should. And they showed tonight uh, six one six goals on New Zealand, a New Zealand team that is, you know, top – 20 in the world so not slouches but not quite at the u.s's level they just showed how dominant they could be yeah and we'll keep an eye going forward the other results in match day number two netherlands three brazil three that's an interesting result two good teams the netherlands of course the defending european champion against brazil brazil one of the best teams in the world Marta's really uh in form in her fifth olympics still and she is really contributing to this Team Great Britain won, Japan nothing. Maybe the surprising results. Team GB, or should we say England, with a couple players, is really doing a good job here. And they are one of the best teams at this tournament so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it is mostly England, but there are a, a couple. I think there's two Scots and a Welsh in there or something. But uh, they've added some some pieces to supplement that team. England, uh, Canada played England in a lead up to this tournament and did defeat them in a friendly. Uh, so it's not like you know they, they they're pretty evenly matched. So that for that final game, um, I might put Team GB as a slight favorite if I'm being honest. But that could just be my uh, you know I have the reverse bias when it comes to Canada. I tend to <laughs> faults to be blunt uh, because I watch them too much. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's look they, what I will say positively about the Canadians right now is that what they do very well uh, and what I will give them a lot of credit for is that they are uh, mentally a pretty strong team in the sense that they that they tend to battle really well against the top teams uh, they their Achilles heel is when they play weaker sides that sit back on them a little bit they can't break them down they get into a rut they, they seem to lack offensive creativity mm-hmm. um overlook for Christine Sinclair and just try to constantly get the ball wide into her yeah. and it just doesn't work at the international level for the women anymore that's probably coaching tactics I was critical of the hire of Bev Priestman I don't want to bash her in an Olympic podcast I'm not trying to bash her I think the Canadian Association could have should have spent a little bit more to get a more experienced coach to manage a team that has the expectations they claim it does but that's a soccer today topic, so we'll just be positive here for a second and say that I I expect Canada to battle with Team GB and yeah. to, to it's you know they have a chance to to get a result there and and to win this group. I understand what you mean, and I'm not not that I disagree, but I do see things maybe as not as critical as you. So I was looking at the breakdown of Canada, of Chile on the flanks, and I was inter- I, I was impressed, the amount of use of the wing back situation for Canada, something that tactically was not necessarily used over the years for the national the women's national team so we're seeing some progression here and there and you know what i'm gonna love to see if lynn vien back on the pitch and get a goal soon because she's the next top big goal scorer for this game she she has a flair for gold and a flair for goal that is rare in the game so can't wait for this to happen of course we'll break down 
July 27th is match day number three. We'll break down those matches and a whole lot more on Monday's edition of Soccer Today, your home of soccer coverage of the Olympic tournament and day-to-day coverage of soccer in North America. It's doing a nice flagship show during the Olympics. This is our flagship show, and let's continue our Olympic review of day one by starting our medal review, and it's time to talk about some lumber, some timber, some wood. Our wood medal of the day, Algerian judoka Feti Noreen, was sent home from the competition for withdrawing to avoid potentially facing an Israeli judoka in the following round. Him and his coach are gone. Algeria organized the way for them to leave. Algeria wants to sweep this as quick as possible under the news cycle. Yeah, there's not much to say about this other than to highlight the point that Really, we shouldn't uh, be associating um, anti-Semitism with uh, the Olympics, and that's what this is, bluntly. Um, There's no other—I mean, they might claim it's political based on the Palestinian uh, disputes, and and obviously I'm not trying to get into that, and and I do have a great deal of empathy for Palestinian people when it comes to that, and I don't think the Israel's without blame. That's not at all what I'm saying, but at the same time, this is the damn Olympics. Uh, Would you kindly— if you're going to compete, you're going to compete with who you're drawn with, and you don't get to pick and choose that, and this is just ridiculous to me. And, you know, sometimes all sides can be wrong, and that's kind of what I'll say here. I was getting into too much of a debate, but I did want to, I think, I didn't want this to sweep under the carpet. No. We shouldn't, yeah, we, we need to highlight these things and to face them and, and to criticize them. Uh, that It's racism, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not, be okay with that. And I'm we happy should, that the Algerian Olympic Committee acted quickly too maybe by recommendation of the IOC or the Japan organizing committee because they're the one who was controlling things right now in Japan but to me that's how you deal with it because quickly like we don't we're not a, Algeria didn't stand up be like you know what we're just gonna take and then drag this thing around you know in defending the sometimes it's best to be like you know what they effed up they made a mistake and they're gone now so we can continue we agree with what you're saying and we move on that was handled probably the best it could have been by all parties involved, except the guy not wanting to fight, of course. Yeah, I mean, look, how much hate do you have to have in your heart to give up your Olympic opportunity just because you were drawn against someone? Like, yeah, honestly. Of course, but it, it also hides more things. It's also probably the circle of persons that he hangs out with outside of the games, outside of sports. What sphere of society is he in in his own in his own right uh, entourage, right? It makes a big difference to those ideologies and values. And that's probably where I guess the answer lies and has nothing to do with the sport of judo, the country of Algeria or anything else, but that person and their own personal values. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, worth pointing out that the Israeli athletes are not, don't represent their, their government or or their army. In the same way that the Algerians doesn't either, and we are talking about a country that in 1972 had several of their athletes murdered uh, for similar reasons, I assume. So, look, I, I don't have a lot of patience for this stuff, especially now. It's too often um, wanted to highlight it. Let's move on and be positive now. Let's move on, and it's time to talk about the Canadian medal, the ubiquitous representation of Canada. We're talking about fries, gravy, and cheese, and that's called... <laughs> A poutine 
And the best Canadian performance in our eyes last night was Mike Woods. Michael Woods, the cyclist. He's one of the big names for Israel Startup Nation. That's his cycling team. One of the biggest teams in the world. It has multiple Tour de France winner in Chris Froome and other big names in that team. Of course, he's riding for Canada during the Olympic. He won a bronze medal in the 20. 18 World Championship, 16 or 18, anyway, in the World Championship, he won a bronze medal before. He's been on the podium of these big one-day races like the Olympics and like World Championship. This, Dwayne, and we'll talk about it later, this was the hardest Olympic road race ever, ever. In 1976, it was, of course, in Montreal, and this was one of the tough ones, too. There was... Over 2,300 meters of climbing back in 1976. Same for the World Championship that might be coming back in Montreal in a few years' time in 2026. It would be the similar similar circuit, and it's the same. Here, we're talking about 4,865 meters. That's almost five kilometers vertically of climbing on your bicycle in one day. In six hours, with temperatures over 30 30 degrees Celsius, while racing 200 other contenders for this race, this was a gargantuous task, and the Canadian fell just 0.2 seconds off the podium. Yeah, look, on one hand, you've got to be a little disappointed with that, but on the other hand, the thing about the endurance racers, and we've had the opportunity to talk to a few over the years, um, including our buddy Evan, which we'll, we'll talk about a lot during these games. We probably, but anyway, his, his craft dinner. Yeah, I was going to say, get get some craft dinner uh, and say you bought it because of Evan Dunphy, because hopefully he gets a kickback. So there you go. I yeah, doubt, I doubt, but, but you know, they're they're different. They're a different animal in the sense of what they consider success. And I, I guarantee you that Mike Woods is is happy with fifth. He's probably you know a little disappointed that he doesn't get something tangible to take home, but. It, <laughs> This was so difficult, Wayne. Like he might be 0.2 seconds off the podium, not even, but he was miles away from the podium. Might have been because, you know, who finished third? The guy who just won two Tour de France. Finished second, one of the best cyclists right now of his generation, and who finished first? Well, a guy who finished on the podium of the Tour de France also just a few weeks ago. So we're talking about informed cyclist Buck Malema, one of the best time travelers, one of the best rider, rouleur, you would say, in the entire peloton. He got beat by, like, four of the best eight cyclists of the world. So, And there's thousands of cyclists, by the way. This was impressive. But you're right. It's the endurance... The endurance athletes know that they were actually far, even though it looks like they were so close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he, in the interview after on CBC, kind of pointed out that he tried to... And if you knew a little bit, and like you know a lot more than me when it comes to cycling, but I have an understanding of how the sport works, and my belief and my understanding is his strength was the climbs, and he's one of the better climbers in the world. And he tried to make a couple breaks, particularly on the last major climb that they had there with about 30k to go, and they the rest of the pack understood what his strength was, and as soon as he took that break, they were no, (laughs) and they they wrapped him back in, and that's the thing of races, right? Exactly, and the fact that he finished fifth. In the sprint, well, it wasn't a sprint because Carapaz was by himself. So we'll, we'll talk about that later when we talk about another colored medal. But Carapaz was on a breakaway with McNulty, about 35 kilometers to go. They both attacked the peloton. Well, 
the leading group at that point, let them go. And that's when Mike Woods tried a couple of times to bridge to them, was never able to. And McNulty, the American, actually broke down, wasn't able to continue and finished sixth. So he wasn't able to continue that breakaway with Carapaz, and Carapaz went on to win. So the sprint of that leading group was for the silver and the bronze. And you had two of the best, what we call hard sprinters. So after a long stay, uh, long stage, after a climb, if you get a sprint, it's a different type of sprinters, right? It won't be the Mark Cavendish or the, the pure sprinters of this world that'll be there. It'll be more strong, strong riders that are still there. And it's not Mike Woods' strength. And he still finished fourth of that sprint, fifth overall. Great performance for the best cyclist of Canada over the last few days, years, and maybe the best cyclist going forward for a potential Grand Tour, maybe win, but more importantly, stage wins, great classic wins in hilly mountain races, of course, on the road, but in the mountains because it's it's hilly. He's one of the best cyclists of his generations, and it was fun to watch him yesterday not only take part, but also dictate the pace of that race for a while. You know, for sure. Uh, just last thought on it. I'm going to move away from, from him to one of McNulty, the American. Just if you ever want to have an idea of how difficult the challenge is, this is a world-class athlete. And the way he blew up just illustrates how physically demanding that sport was. Because once he lost touch, it was he, like they tied an anchor to him. Yep. And that's, you know, because he blew up. He that, That's what it is. Even the very best athletes in the world hit a point in these tests where it just destroys them. And that, I think, tells you a lot about how impressive that entire race is yeah it's insane and that it was that was the craziest race too they had to climb mount fuji not the entire thing okay but they clown these climb some mount fuji and then they go on the mikunu miku mikuni pass which was really hard too uh an anthology of a cycling race and we're going to talk about that race in the cycling world for a long time still but you know after the break we'll continue to talk about our favorite medals of day number one by talking about our bronze our silver and our gold medal of the day right after this short break it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. to the Five Rings Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kev Laramie. You can follow us on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast. Replay of the show is available everywhere you get your podcasts. And at sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Support us on Patreon at P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sports podcasting network. And the video replay of this show is available on our YouTube page at YouTube dot com slash sports podcasting network now back to our olympic talk (laughs) 
And we're back. Kev Larmey with Dwayne Rollins. Low music to wake you up this morning. Dwayne, hope it worked. Let's talk about our first official bronze medal of the 2020 Olympic Games. It has begun. Real competitions has begun. And this was the first gold medal given out today or yesterday, depending on when you listen to this. Day number one, rifle. Gold medal, women's 10-meter rifle. No, it's not the rifle that's 10 meters. They're just 10 meters away from the target. Yang Kiang got an Olympic record, new Olympic record to start these beautiful games with a total point tally of 251.8. The interesting aspect here is she wasn't winning. They were, well, they were two really close that had one shot to go. And she did not go last. She went before last. And she kind of flubbed her shot, missed it a little bit. And she was convinced that it was off to, to knock her off the gold. And, and Galashina was going to get it. But then Galashina did the same thing. And she shanked her shot. It went like one millimeter away from where it's supposed to be. And for them, it's shanking. For me, I would be really happy. But that was the case. And Yang Kiang gets her first gold medal for China. And this won't be the last for the country in, this, in these games. Yeah, I mean... I'm not going to pretend I'm going to break down the technical aspect of a shooting competition, although I have watched a bit of it over the years. It's it quite, they've changed the format. Uh, it used to just be like targets and the most points won. Now there's a head to head aspect to it, which does make it a lot more compelling from a spectator perspective. So if you haven't had an opportunity to, to watch the, the aiming sports, uh, give them a try. Um, I prefer archery to shooting, to be honest, because I think there's a little more to that, but, just in terms of watching, you see an arrow go through the air, and I don't know. It seems, it seems better to me anyway. But and you but can whatever. you can think about the origin of of the Olympic Games and be like, you know what, like Erototus and the the, the, the arrows, like okay, I, I can understand how it's more Olympic, Olympicy, if that is a word. Yeah, although both archery and uh, shooting have been in the games for a very long time, um, it's, and they also the, the ten meter air uh, the. The, the event today starts the games. It's usually the first gold medal of the games. So usually the Olympics keep the same schedule every time. They sometimes flip some sports, but by and large, the same sports are always on the first day and the second day, so you get used to the rhythms. And shooting is usually the first gold medal. I, I remember all the way back when the first Olympics I really remember, Kevin won't remember this, was um, uh, in 84, and Canada got a gold medal on the first day with the the shooter, and it was Lori something. I forget her name right now, but at any rate, I remember just being so excited by that. So, yeah, it's always at a soft spot, and you always look forward to seeing that first gold. And, and as you say, with the Chinese contingent, uh, they could win the medal race. The, there's, there's a lot of unpredictability about this Olympics because of the COVID situation, and particularly as it relates to the Chinese because the Chinese pulled a lot of their athletes away from the World Cup circuit for fear of bringing COVID back into China uh, when they come home. So uh, they weren't on a lot of activities. We saw it earlier, later that night with the Chinese beach volleyball team playing the Canadian volleyball team. They'd only played a couple games all year and no one knew, yeah. but then they won. So, right, exactly, they're preparing yeah. just fine, but we don't know what their form's like in a lot of cases. However, if you look at the top of the medal standing right now, yeah. They're all there. So. Exactly. And they might stay there for a while. Now let's move to our second medal of, of color. And this one, it will be our silver medal for today. And it goes to Dystria Krasniski. 
One of the best is Judoka in her category. Under 48 kilogram. She's from Kosovo. She's one of the best in the world, but a gold medal for Kosovo doesn't come that often. And that is an amazing result and a remarkable result for Krasniki. Yeah, and, and she was very emotional when she won it. It was, it was lovely to see. I, I was watching the judo quite a bit tonight, and um, you know, she claps the mat. And she beat a Japanese uh, judoka. They said that right, I think. I'm losing my uh, sleep here because I haven't been I've been awake too long. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she won over a Japanese competitor, and that was maybe an upsetting for the home crowd, although there's no home crowd there. Home, uh, home crowd at home. At any rate, uh, and it was just quite emotional. But as you say, Kosovo, it's only their second gold medal of all time, both in judo, obviously very popular there. And uh, it was nice to watch. I, I rem- it reminded me a little bit of, of Rio. If you remember the first weekend in Rio, the first Brazilian gold medal was in judo as well. And that was the woman who came from the from the slums. And the crowd was so excited. And it was like such an emotional moment for like a Rio-born person to win the first. So it kind of reminded me of that. So I... I wanted to basically highlight this gold medal for a, a young country too that uh, that sort of would uh, remind me of something that I liked quite a bit. That was actually one of my ultimate, my overall medals that we named at the end of the games last time was that judo medal. So maybe that's what I'm talking about and what I wanted to talk about <laughs> more, but good and for her too. <laughs> I did watch some judo last night. Or was it tonight? Anyways, I did watch judo. It was one of the matches between the Georgian guy and a Korean guy. And it was nil-nil, it was an extra time, it was a golden score time, and nothing was happening. But there's one technique I really like about the Korean, and we're going to get really inside baseball for a second here, or inside judo. But it was using his right arm, kind of like really stiff. You know, the, the movement, of, imagine a movement of a jab in boxing, but imagine you're trying to go grab the collar, okay? So he was doing this to keep the other guy at bay, and I was like, that's smart. You're basically having a jab, and you don't really punch him, but... Every time you turn to grab the collar, you're going to hit him a little bit. And it creates a space. I thought it was fascinating discovering tactics in the world of judo. That only happens when it's your fourth Olympic that you cover. <laughs> there you go. Um, I uh, I never did judo or, or any martial art growing up. I did wrestle in high school. So there's kind of some similarities in terms of how you use your body. But you're right. There, it's It's always interesting how uh, the athletes will use not just their body, but understand how to use their opponent's momentum against them and judo is a lot about that so so it is if you start to watch it and think just look at what they're doing out there you can find it quite an interesting watch um yeah. even if you don't fully understand the point system which can be confusing if you're not used to it in a lot of <laughs> what games. do you mean it's a it's a, a what does that do oh yeah okay that i know what the ipon is ipon is when you fall on your back and you're done <laughs> or feet to back you're done yeah, feet, feet to back, bye-bye, you're done. Or you, that happened so, a lot in the Olympics, but yeah. Well, but it does sometimes, surprisingly. Uh, but yeah, you have the reflexes of, of those, but it makes for great competitions. And I've been enjoying so far the competition. There was some Taekwondo also that I've watched. Looking forward to more from the Budokan. Beautiful, amazing, spiritual place for combat sports in Japan. Dwayne, it's time. Our first official gold medal, handing out of a gold medal, virtual gold medal, the first one of day one for the Five Rings podcast. Here we go. And it goes to Richard Carapaz of Ecuador, who won the road race on the men's side in cycling. The 234-kilometer effort 
4,865 meters of climbing, 6 hours, 5 minutes, and 20 seconds in the saddle. That's quite the day's work at the office. Podium of the Tour de France, third this year, Richard Carapaz finds himself with a golden helmet for the next four years and forever be known as Olympic champion. Yeah, and it's just, it's one of the biggest events in the Olympics, right? Like, a, it, it always, it's the first really big one to go off. Um, it has the attention of a lot of the world. Uh, it is, you know, maybe he, where we are, people are paying attention to the rowing heats and stuff during the first weekend, but in most of the world, they're, they're the road race is what they're watching or, or tennis or stuff like that. But for him, and for a guy from Ecuador too, You know, it's the first day of the games. We don't have a single American medal yet, but we have a gold medal from Kosovo and Ecuador. That tells you something about the world sport a little bit, although I'm sure the Americans will make up for that. There's some swimming golds coming tonight. But, yeah, it's it it was a remarkable sort of breakaway and like how we left the American cyclist at the end, too. uh, Shows you how much power, how much strength, how much determination he had to get through that. And once they pulled away, even with the peloton behind him or the chasing group, uh, they weren't able to rein him in because no. he just had so much strength. And that, well, that there, was... there's a couple of reasons. He had strength, but he was also able to gain that chasing group where the chasing group was looking at each other more than being organized. And you don't go as fast if you don't work together, which means if you break through the air altogether, you'll actually gain momentum and time and you'll keep the speed and you'll be having less energy wasted to to bridge the gap. To Carapaz, but they didn't. They looked at each other, and eventually, they decided to do a sprint for themselves. And that's one of the reasons why Carapaz was able to stay out. But he was able to stay out because he was pushing a whole lot of watts for a long time in the last few hundred meters. Yeah, no, for sure. He strategically won that. He knew when to break, and he and like you say, uh, it was pretty clear that the the rest of that group was not necessarily cooperating in the way that they would have had to to rein him in. Um, part of that could have been strategic by him too. He might have recognized that. I don't know, uh, but it's it was all in all just an impressive performance, and obviously one of the marquee events to win on the first day. It's hard not to make him the gold medalist of the gold of the golden day for him, and he'll be a national hero. Ecuador doesn't get a lot of gold medals. Uh, a lot of their historical gold medals are soccer games that happened 60 years ago, right? So, so they get a moment, and I'm sure he's a national hero today, and. Uh, it was nice to watch. I didn't watch all six hours of it. I had maybe two hours of it on. <laughs> Which is uh, pretty good. Not going to lie. Uh, getting two hours of it is uh, still a whole lot more than I would have thought you would do. Yeah. I, well, you know, I was a third screen for some of those two hours. Let's be candid here. But and, and I'm not sure I'm quite ready to invest an entire tour to France. But it is an interesting race for the single day races. And, and when you add those national colors to it and, and a cheering interest, it does does make for some some compelling, particularly when I turned it on and I saw the Canadian up there where I paid full attention. I was definitely eyes on it more than the soccer game for a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> I remember uh, three like a, I remember just a text from you be like, you watching? You watching the game? You watching the race? I'm like, yes, I'm watching the race. I'm like, we got a Canadian up the the road. You're like, okay, cool. Just making sure because it was a fun time. Yeah, it, it's not something that we're particularly used to in this country. I mean, maybe more so of late. Uh, we've mentioned Evan already. It's not the first time cyclist has been up high. Uh, you know, I don't know what the women's chances are tomorrow. You could maybe tell me more, but uh, it's 
it's nice to see it in those long races uh, because generally speaking, you have to be watching the CBC and have the, the fourth camera guy that's like on a bicycle way behind. And here you see John Brown of Pickering. He's in 53rd. Yeah, that used to be what we used to watch. <laughs> that's true. You're, you're right. But I think we're going to see some interesting things happening. I also think on the women's side, we do have some contenders. But for the medals, I think we will wait for the track where I can guarantee we'll get a couple ones there. Fair enough. And uh, I, I think um, we're going to see the first Canadian medal tonight if you want to be a little home-centric for a second. And that will likely happen in the pool. And it will likely happen with uh, the 4x100 uh, freestyle relay, who looks pretty much dead set for, for a bronze battle. I, I think they're going to win the bronze. There's my prediction for the day. And the Americans win the gold. The Australians win the silver. Mark it. Go to, go to your favorite betting account. Put that down now. Mark <laughs> Just don't charge me for it if I'm wrong. So we can't charge Dwayne, but, you know, we can keep an eye on it and maybe get it done in the next few hours. Maybe Canada's going to get a medal on day two of the Olympic Games. But now before we move on to day two, we need to take a look at what's going on on day two. Dwayne, what is really catching your attention for the second day of action in the Olympic Games? Well, this, as I said, swimming to me, that's the start of the Olympics. The, the first weekend of swimming is when the medals start to really rain in. There's always been a big part of what makes me love these games because, you know, it's it's part of it, right? Like when you watch CBC, as I did growing up, the Olympics in the first for, for the first week were swimming and for the second week were track and then the other stuff was supplementing it. So to get that, that the swim meet underway this morning with the heats, uh, those are fine, but ultimately what you're really interested in are the other medal races and the and the semifinals which you'll see tonight uh, starting and, and that'll be a lot of fun and um i'm looking forward to that most of all you know there's other stuff going down there's a I quite enjoyed Canada's softball win today. We should mention it. It might have might have been a poutine medal had we not had the the big result. That probably would have been the poutine medal. The women's softball team, seven uh, one win over Australia. Uh, so the the Canadian softball plays again today. I'll be looking forward to that. If they win that, they're almost guaranteed to play for a medal. So that'll be fun. Um, if you don't know how that tournament's working, it's a pretty short sprint. They, it, there's five six teams. They play each other once. Top two play for gold. Or top next two play for bronze. So if Canada gets a third win, they're probably much guaranteed at least to be in the bronze match, especially if they beat the Japanese today, which are currently in second. So they'd actually move into the silver position at that point. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. And um, I'm looking forward, Kevin, right now to sleep. To sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I understand. And I totally agree with you. That is an interesting thing, sleep, that we're going to get very soon. And hopefully you do, too, as you're listening to us day number two will consist of more archery artistic gymnastics yes the man had the subdivisions and the qualification last night it was fun to see all the men with the rings and all the different competitions for gymnastics tonight simone biles and ali black and a ton of great gymnasts are going to debut the woman preliminary round that is tonight we're going to get some more badminton Medals will be given out in just a couple days in baseball and softball, but it continues the tournament later today. Basketball starts. Three-on-three basketball was interesting. That continues also tonight, Dwayne. We have some boxing, some canoe. We have some slalom. Road race on the women's side will take place tonight. We have chances on the women's side for Canada. And, of course, 
you're a betting person, Netherlands, Marianne Voss could be, but there's a couple of uh, of uh, good European contenders here for the women's side. Diving, there's going to be some medal handing out tonight in the women's synchronized three-meter springboard. That's going to be fascinating. More equestrian, more dressage. We're going to get some horsey's horse on the groundy ground, and it's going to be more fun. You should see my dog when, she, when I was watching dressage earlier today. She was ready to herd my TV. <laughs> the horsies, horsey horsies, and bouncy bouncies. This is when we get a little punch drunk, but halfway through the Olympics, we'll start calling the events by nicknames. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you've watched dressage, that, that's what it should be called anyway medals in judo tonight and i'm looking forward to that and more shooting and skateboarding is taking place tonight the men's street the entire competition and the medals will take place it's the beginning of the surfing game today that'll be fun swimming and like you mentioned we're going to see some medals handing out at the pool tonight taekwondo we're getting some medals a real day of competition of weightlifting also i'm looking forward to day number two Precisely. Uh, you know, it's halfway through the first weekend now. Uh, we get a full other day tomorrow, and and yeah, we're gonna have to figure work week out next week. But uh, excited to get going. Um, we're early in the. I haven't hit my like second week depression yet. When I always, you know, five days out. Just started. Dwayne's already out, only ten days left. Like, calm down. Enjoy the ten days you have left instead of thinking when it'll be gone. But you know, I understand. I, I think that because I've got the, you know because we've almost had the double state like it used to be this the winter and the summer in the same year right and that was really depressing when the summer went on because you had like a long like a time four, to go before four years you got four years with nothing that's a whole that's a it's a desert it's a desert right there it's like uh, crossing the desert yeah now we've got six months to go to to beijing which actually seems surreal more than more than it does exciting at this point and then it's only a couple of years so you know it, it they're coming quicker now so that's that's going to be okay um yeah i'm uh, looking forward to it uh looking forward to a little sleep now as i said earlier and um getting my schedule figured out here uh, <laughs> it's always tough the first day i'll get yep. used to it and we'll get used to it and you'll get used to it too <laughs> And we'll be right back tomorrow for another edition of the Five Rigs Podcast. Daily coverage of the Tokyo 2020 Summer Games. And you can follow Dwayne on social media at 24th Minute, myself at Kev Laramie, and this show at Five Rings Podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube page for all the video replay, youtube.com slash sports podcasting network. You can support us financially at patreon.com slash sports podcast network. We are, of course... Uh, financed by our viewership and it is because of all your contributions over the years that we're able to get the production values that we have today dedicating time and time on research on of course the how to produce a show like we are we are independently produced and this is all our talent put together on your screens and in your ears and as always until tomorrow for Dwayne Rollins I'm Kev Laramie have a great Olympiad.